Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Talking Chop Podcast. This is episode 12 of the podcast. It feels like it's been a while, but really we're only one day late. Uh, I'm Carlos Palazzo, as always, along with Brad Rowland, who has been a little uh, traveling a little bit today. Brad, what's up, buddy? What you been up to? I'm good. Just spent all day in the car and then uh, followed the Atlanta Hawks belt down via um, streaming. So, that you know, it's been a long day, but hey... Um, it's a, a fine Monday evening. Nothing better than to talk about the Atlanta Braves, who are the Atlanta Braves. That's all. That's all I got to say about yeah, that. Well, right. I guess I got. I guess I have more to say since we're about to talk about it for the next however long. But uh, yeah, Braves baseball, man. That's well, what we do. Well, if you uh, can't find anything to say, I guess we can just turn it over to Eric Cole, who is much better at talking about this team than we are. I would have to say we're happy to have Eric on. I believe he's the. Uh, been the most prominent guest of ours on the show so far. Eric, how's it going tonight, my man? It's going well. I mean, other than these storms outside my house that are actually a little bit terrifying at this particular moment in time, but and I guess this makes my third appearance on the show, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, you're you're the veteran of the guests we've had so far. It's always good to have you again. You've uh, put up a lot of work on the site recently. We'll get into that soon, but. It's actually kind of a good thing that we're one day late, uh, considering the flurry of roster moves that we had today. But if you guys aren't aware, be sure to check in on the site for all the the details of that. We'll we'll talk a little bit about it. But basically, the Braves selected the contracts of, and I'm going to probably butcher a couple of these names, uh, Reed Brignac, Matt Tusa Sopo, and Chase Darneau. I know I killed Matt's name. I'm sorry, Matt. Tui Yasa Sopo. Tui Yasa Sopo. So I was close. I was it was close. okay. Yeah, he had a very good family member who was a quarterback for Washington a long time ago. Ah, interesting. Well, if, if I would have known that, I probably could have pronounced his name. But in, adi- <laughs> <laughs> in addition to that, uh, Mike Fultonevich was recalled, um, and he's throwing right. Actually, he was throwing. He allowed three homers in the first inning tonight against the Mets. Uh, we're currently in the top of the ninth inning, and it's looking like a, another loss for the Bravos tonight. But we've seen crazier things happen, I suppose. Back to the moves. Jace Peterson and John Gant were optioned to AAA Gwinnett, and Drew Stubbs was designated for assignment after a, really, a short period of no success. Eric, I know you wrote about this today. I was going to give the abbreviated version of, of what you wrote on the site today, but we have you in person, so why don't you break down this whole flurry of moves for us real quick. Sure. Um, The Braves have been carrying an extra pitcher for a while now, Uh, and with the move to bring Bonifacio, which the Braves managed to screw up something terrible yesterday, um, it was kind of known that there was going to maybe sending another extra pitcher down, and with Gant just being recently called up, it's not really that surprising that he gets sent back down the AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, Jace has been—he's had a really tough year. He, he's had games where he like seemed like every at bat he like put together a good at bat and ends up just being a weak grounder to second. And he just needs to get more playing time. And with Freddie Gonzalez as the manager, doing lineups the way he does, and just the team desperately wanting to score runs now, giving him some time in Gwinnett makes some sense. Uh, and Drew Stubbs has been awful. Uh, he's been he's struck out in a little over half of his at bats. Uh, and this is a guy who's been taking time away from Malik Smith, who up until recently was also struggling. But uh, he managed to turn it on over the weekend, and I guess they kind of decided just to let Malik, you know, have the reins for a while, and you know, move on from the Drew Stubbs experience. Um, and as for the guys who come up, these are all like journeyman 
veteran types. They've you know they're all these are not prospects for being reads on the wrong side of thirty. Uh, Tuyasa Sopo is the same way. Uh, Tuyasa Sopo is nice in that he actually does have some power, and as a right-handed power bat, it's not like there's that many of those on the Braves right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we've got to find out the hard way when we didn't have anybody to actually come off the bat as a righty bat uh, the other day. Uh, and Jace Darn- Chase Darno is a very much like a defensive replacement towards the end. You know, just another, just another bench guy. The the guys that they brought up aren't going to be super exciting. Um, with the notable exception of Fulty, which I guess we'll talk to and I'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but it has more to do with just getting the guys that were playing poorly out of the lineup and maybe getting some guys that at least could get some replacement level games in before some of these guys get off the disabled list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first saw this stuff, the only name that really surprised me was Jace Peterson being sent down. I guess it's just because uh, he's one of the few guys we've gotten used to him being around consistently. But did any of these moves surprise you at all, Eric, or was this kind of I mean, kind of all understandable given how uh, we've the team has performed offensively. I mean, if I don't really look at Jace's stat line and kind of remove myself from the, how he's performed this year, mm-hmm. it's definitely really surprising. But I mean, he just has, he hasn't performed really well, and right now, if we're just being honest, Jace is not in the long term plans of the Braves. Uh, so it doesn't do him any good right now to be up in the majors and just not being able to hit anybody. Uh, at least if they send him down to Gwinnett, maybe he starts putting together some good at-bats and putting together some good games. He can either come back up and finish the year and put and establish some level of trade value or at least establish some value for the club, maybe as a utility guy down the road. Mm. But but right now, I mean, he's you can't play him against lefties because he basically can't hit him at all, and he's not hitting righties either. We know, he doesn't really have a place on the in the majors right now. And mm-hmm. so sending him to triple a might get him some confidence back and, you know, turn him into a, at least a semi-useful player. Yeah. Versus, uh, I'm trying to see how many at bats. I'm looking at his splits right now versus lefties this season. Okay. He's had seven at bats against lefties and he has done absolutely nothing. He struck out four times, no hits, obviously tiny sample size, but, uh, I think it's been evident even from last season that Jace is not exactly a lefty killer. Um, but Brad, I know we talked a little bit about Jace Peterson in that utility role going forward for the team, uh, as that, that was probably his most likely role given some of the guys that were coming up, uh, presumably to play middle infield for the Braves in the coming years. Uh, but do you think this is a turning point for his career? Do you think this is where we kind of look for, not look forward, but uh, I guess see him turning into a utility player? Or do you think that uh, this start to the season combined with some of the struggles last year maybe? have us even doubt whether he can become that utility player. I still am optimistic that he can become that guy. And, you know, one of the few things I was actually encouraged about in terms of the manager of this season was that sort of willingness to play Peterson in the outfield and kind of move him around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've kind of, you know, it's it's only, quote-unquote, only 700 major league plate appearances for Peterson, but I don't think he's ever going to hit at a starter level. Mm-hmm. I, that's just my opinion. But um, you mentioned the, the, the platoon split issue, um, I just, and with, with, with no power, even in the minors, you really didn't have you really didn't have the power you're looking for. Even I, I understand he's a middle infielder by trade, but as a guy who's going to play around the diamond, you know he's probably a backup utility guy in the major leagues. Um, and you know his defense is good enough to where he can stick in that role somewhere, even if it's not with the Braves. Like mm-hmm. he was worth more than more than a win, um, and um, according to Fangraphs last year, most of that was his defensive value. And because he can play literally everywhere, I mean, he's already he's a great athlete. You've seen him play outfield effectively already, and that's not even that's not even a position that he really knows how to play. Mm-hmm. So if you you know if you actually learn how to play the outfield, he might become a plus defender out there, and he's already a good defender on the infield. Um, so long term, that's kind of what he is. And in my view, you guys both mentioned the uh, the two prospects we kind of all assume are going to be playing middle infield in the near future. And even even without them, the Braves could probably sign a sign a veteran over over Peterson in the short term if they don't want to do that because of Peterson's lack of uh, success at the plate. So it was it was a surprise to me that they, that, they, that they sent him down, only because you know that, that's a guy who played 150 games last year, had 600 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of startling when you see a guy like that get sent down to AAA this early in the season. But you know maybe some seasoning. I, I, Eric mentioned that it might be good to have him get some confidence back at the plate. Um, because you know, I'm sure the Braves they, they understand they have him they have him at a, at a very cheap cost right now, and they know he, and they know he can play defense, so they can sort of rebuild some of his uh, value with with the bat that might be helpful long term. And 
you know the rest of the moves it's kind of uh it's kind of funny just because you you don't think of this organization being so prospect laden and they suddenly bring up three guys with who are not prospects <laughs> uh, but aren't necessarily very good either so it's kind of funny like we've been preaching uh, for, to the fans to kind of wait for the young guys to come, come up because they'll be so much fun. And then the first three guys the Braves bring up are all these like you know at past thirty or near thirty um, guys with very low ceilings. So it's like, hey, sweet prospects, but they're not prospects. <laughs> yeah, not um, really. So prospects. it's one of those weird days because uh, Peterson's you know significantly younger than all the guys who just came up. And uh, Stubbs being DFA'd, you know, Stubbs was sort of the late addition, and we were all kind of surprised that he made the team that quickly anyway, because he was brought in like the day before. Yeah. And they uh, announced him to be on the opening day roster. But yeah, you mentioned, I think it's like 48% strikeout rate. That was not going to not gonna stick, even for a guy that you knew was going to strike out. So um, the grand scheme of this is not terribly surprising anywhere. But Peterson, it's something to monitor, man. When he, when he go, goes down to one that, you want to see that, that guy hit. He's not even 26 years old yet, so he should go down. Hopefully, hopefully light it up at Gwinnett because you know you're playing AAA after 700 plate appearances in big leagues. You should be able to hit, and if you can't hit there, the alarm bells start kind of going off. Yeah. So looking forward to uh, Jace going to the minor leagues. Uh, looking ahead, Eric, would you be interested, or if you were calling the shots, I guess, would you be interested in trying to um, get Jace more familiar with the outfield? Maybe play some center field, see if he can hang out there, or would you really try and just emphasize the hitting at this point? Uh, and do you think he has the ability to play center field? I don't, have we seen him play center yet? I don't think we've. I don't seen think that, I don't think I remember seeing him in center. Uh, I mean, it's possible he if he has, it's only been like a game or two. Yeah, he um, he has not. I just looked it up. He's only played it's thirty innings, and it was all in left field. Okay, that's what I thought. But I I mean I imagine with his athleticism and the the bit of speed that he has that he could turn into a, a center field type of guy if you needed him to to add that versatility to his name. But what, what would you have him do in the minor leagues? Well, to be honest, I mean, there's just not many outfielders left to play in Gwinnett right now, so they might actually have to play him out there <laughs> because the reality is Amelia Bonifacio is going to be a part of this club once he's eligible. So that's their center fielder right now, and their other guys are Emerson Landoni and uh, Ronnie Mustillier, who's the third baseman. So... <laughs> Um, I think it's much more likely that they'll probably move him around. I mean, he's not going to be playing shortstop because there's some guy named Ozzie Albies taking that position right yeah. now. Talking uh, about him later and, as well. And then uh, second base is Levi Hyams, who's not really a prospect either. If you want to see what Jace can do, he'll probably he'll definitely play some second base and move him around the outfield and see what else he can do. You know, I mean, the the left side of the infield is probably where we won't see him because there's two high level prospects over there. But other than that, I mean, move him around and see what he can do. Because I mean, right now he, he needs to figure out he needs to figure out if he can hit, and he needs to figure out if he can be a utility guy. Because right now he's not going to stick mm-hmm. with the Braves with what he is right now, which is a, a righty hitting only second baseman. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you know what he does as an infielder defensively. So like, play him in the outfield just because that's the one thing you don't know. Like I would, as you guys might, I, I, I would try him in center field if that's at all possible, and it looks like it probably is. Try him out there because if he's, you know, use that athleticism. If, if he becomes a plus defender in the outfield, then his stock goes way up because that way, for sure, it helps your roster flexibility. That means you only have to carry four outfielders. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can get away with three if you have him as your utility guy at a time. So, you know, that kind of stuff where, because, you know, the Braves were carrying five out, like five pure outfielders to start the season, which is crazy because you don't need to do that if you have a guy like Pearson who can go out and flash in the outfield. Um, so, it just helps long term, even if, even if they don't love him. Um, they have him for cheap, as we mentioned, and like if he can play, if he can play, you know, six positions legitimately, <laughs> that's great. I mean, yeah. he's, even if, even even if he doesn't hit, he can run and he can play six positions. There's a spot for that guy somewhere. Yeah, I'm curious as to what you guys think about the um, what people often will talk about when a guy's struggling to hit and also moving around positions. Do you think that playing an unfamiliar position? will uh, maybe limit or distract what a player's doing at the plate? Because personally, I don't really buy into that. It seems like such a completely different set of skills that you're working with. But I'm curious as to, first, Eric, you can take this, and then, Brad, what you think about this question. Well, well, I think it's possible that, I mean, in anything you do, if, like, your routine's thrown off, that you might not be at your best at your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I don't see how Jace could be much worse than he has <laughs> been right now. So, I mean, you have to... He has to figure out if he can carve a role out. And, you know, if he's going to be a utility guy, he's going to have to get used to the fact that, okay, I'm in left field today. Oh, I'm in right. Now I'm at, you know, I'm at second. You know, it's, 
and that's I really do feel like that's kind of the only role that he can fill long term right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more important with just getting your swing, especially at the major league level. I mean, we're not talking about you know us three having to be on our A games just to be able to hit an eighty mile an hour pitch. You know, what <laughs> I mean, like these are professional guys and they need to have their mechanics right. And that's just all about you know getting reps in and getting the right coaching. Things like that. It's. I don't think it's so much of just moving your position and being unfamiliar with which side of the field you're on, as much as just, you know, at the plate knowing what to do and who you are as a hitter, and you know when you're taking swings, you know, picking your pitches and things like that. Brad, any thoughts on this, or Eric, sum it up nicely for us. Yeah, he basically summed it up. This is a guy where you know it was, we had the same conversation with Hector Oliveira in spring mm-hmm. training. Um, not to bring up that name right now because it's not easy to talk about Hector Oliveira, but that was that one, was a bad day. <laughs> it's one. Of, it's one of the things that we talked about with him, you know, playing third base is something that we wanted to see, and a lot of people were talking about how that would hurt his development at the plate because he because he was going to be so bad at third base, or that they didn't want him to learn the outfield. It was like you know what, playing where he's going to be able to play and bring the most value. I don't really buy. I'm with Carlos. I don't really buy. I don't really buy the whole worry about um, moving a guy positionally on the defensive side and with Jace I mean he's got to be able to play multiple positions that's just kind of what it is that's the reality so you can't worry about that if if that's going to distract him in the future then he's in deep trouble as far as earning like a real you know stable role at the major league level Mm -hmm. I think yep since we've probably talked about Jace Peterson more than any Braves podcast ever has in, in the history, history of the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Records like are being broken here, boys. We can move on to uh, Bud Norris, who has recently <laughs> moved to the bullpen. We can go even, from even more fun. Jace Peterson to Bud Norris with a sparkling 8.74 ERA, uh, 6.46 FIP to back that up. Uh, what do we have here, guys? Because Bud Norris was supposed to be that guy who was going to eat innings, right? Wasn't that the uh, the role he was supposed to play coming into the season? Brad, what do you think of this? Yeah, it's rough. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't blame the organization, or I don't know whose call that is. I don't blame whoever made that call to get him out of the rotation, at least in the short term. But the problem is, we, we, we touched on it a little bit last week, but Norris was the one guy, I mean, I guess aside from Julio, that you knew was going to be able to eat innings. You quote-unquote knew. Um, and he can't eat innings. He's been so bad that they can't leave him out there enough for him to eat innings. Um, he came in tonight in long relief in his first relief appearance and was actually good. Um, well, at least he didn't allow any runs. He did yep. walk two guys without a strikeout, which is something you're not terribly excited about. Yeah, he went he went a two point one innings and just walked two batters. Other than that, a blank line from him. So that's encouraging. I would I would say. Yeah, sort of. I mean, he's also been a strikeout pitcher and. Part of the problem with him uh, this year has been his walk rate. So walking, you know, basically a guy per inning tonight is not super great. Mm-hmm. But he didn't allow any runs, which is a, that's definitely a win. Um, Norris, I mean, for a good team, Norris would be a long reliever. Like that's kind of where he is, I think, at this point in his career. Maybe a fifth starter type. But for this team, you know, having him around was a to hopefully build some trade value and move him for assets, which he's kind of blown that theory up mm-hmm. with, his early, with his early play, and b. To go out and throw, you know, 190 innings and just get ready for the young guys at the end of the year, um, and neither of those has been accomplished right now. I think the, I think the Braves might try him again as a starter if he succeeds in long relief, just just to kind of cap the innings that you're looking at with guys like Fulte and um, maybe even Aaron Blair. You don't want uh, if Aaron Blair is going to be in the rotation the rest of the year, you're kind of kind of want to watch his innings. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, um, but yeah, the, the Bud Norris experience has not been a fun one to this point, and uh, I guess it's not terribly shocking after his bad performance in 2015. But um, it's the uh, the Bud Norris trade, uh, the trade value train is kind of off the tracks, I think, at this point too, which is not what you want. Oh, Eric, how much have you been able to see Bud Norris this year? Have you noticed anything specifically that's led to his struggles, or or is this kind well, of just a guy who's maybe well, fading in his career? He's a guy that kind of relied on strikeouts, and he's not striking people out, which is kind of a problem. Um, he, his stuff has just been really hittable. He's not he, he his you know when he when he hangs a pitch, there's not a lot on it, and mm-hmm. it just looks like everyone's teeing off on him. And that's what you saw in Boston. Uh, I mean, he didn't even make it out of the second inning there. And I mean, two walks, seven hits, six runs out of the second inning, you're done. That's bad. That's that that's like. Shockingly bad. Yeah, uh, I don't think he mean his in his I mean uh, an ERA of almost nine. There's no way to really sugarcoat that. But he wasn't as bad before that start. He wasn't great. He certainly wasn't good. 
but that start really kind of caused, you know, Freddie and the coaches to call him in for a meeting and say, this isn't really working or, you know, we need to figure out what we're going to do with you because, I mean, he, that, that, that start kind of lingers in our minds is like, wow, he really got lit up. But I mean, other than that, he, he was just kind of mostly bad as opposed to just horrendous before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when home run and to fly ball ratio stabilizes for a pitcher. He's only thrown a little over 20 innings. But uh, that mark for him is at 20%, which is easily the highest that he's had in his uh, career as a major league pitcher. His his average yes. is 11.6, which is substantially lower than that. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm expecting that number to go back down to his career average because I don't think he's I don't think anyone thinks he's as good of a pitcher now as he was say back in uh, 2011 with the Astros or something like that. But yeah, he's given up six home runs in his last four games. That's yeah. not really where you want to be. No, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether he's just been getting a little bit unlucky there to see if he can uh, bring some value back or whether this is what we should uh, expect of Bud Norris moving forward. Um, but unless you guys want to say anything else about Bud Norris, I feel like we can move on from that as well uh, and talk about some more fun stuff. Does that sound good? I will reluctantly tear myself away from the Bud Norris discussion. <laughs> Uh, and it's nice having you on, Eric. Actually, because we were gonna—I was gonna briefly touch on your the primer that you did for the draft. Because I feel like we can move into the just minor league talk in general, considering some of the strong performances we've had from some of the guys like Dansby Swanson, Rio Ruiz, uh, Ozzy Albies, Max Posey, uh, Mike Soroka. The names go on and on. But um, before we talk about specific players, do you want to talk a little bit about what you did with your draft primer piece today and what we can expect moving forward as we uh, approach the draft? Oh, sure. Um, I just decided I wanted to get a piece together that just talked about what was going to be going on in the draft, where the draft, where the Rays are going to be picking, how much money they had to work with, um, and all, all that stuff because the draft is ultimately an extraordinarily convoluted process and you know how much draft pool you have, what slot values those picks have, and what, whether or not that matters at all. It, there's this weird, this weird money and numbers game that ends up going on in the draft and I just kind of wanted to have all that information in one place mm-hmm. so that people can go, okay, these are where the, this is where the Braves are picking, or at least you know the early picks. Uh, I don't think they really need to know where they're picking in the seventh round or anything like that. But um, yeah, so, so who are some of the guys that are more exciting to you? Obviously, some of the big names that we've talked about a little before and that you highlighted are Corey Ray, an outfielder out of Louisville, uh, Jason Groom and Riley Pint, two prep pitchers that have really been at the top of the boards for about a year now. A.J. Puck, a left-handed starter from Florida, and then guys like Blake Rutherford and Nick Senzel, some more college bats. Um, are there any guys that stand out to you at this point? Obviously, we don't have a clear front number one uh, that we might have had in years past, but who are some guys that you are particularly high on at this point? Um, it would be amazing if Jason Groom fell to the Braves, and there are multiple high-end mocks that actually have that happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big lefty with three plus pitches. Most everyone agrees that he's the most talented player in the draft, but there's been some issues with like, you know, kind of him like acting a little immature on the field. Plus he had this weird, he's basically been declared ineligible for a few games because he went to visit his old high school. Uh, no one thought he really was doing anything wrong, but it was a dumb amateur role from his school district and ended up costing. Wasn't it that, uh, he, he moved to a, uh, to IMG Academy, right? And then he transferred back. Yeah, and he went to visit the school before that transfer had happened, basically. Okay. And so the school district's like, well, you're ineligible for three games. And it, it's not going to affect his draft stock at all. But yeah. at the same time, the teams that are picking in front of the Braves, the Phillies and the Reds, are kind of in the same boat with the Braves, is that they kind of want to have college-ready bats. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that they're going to be going after guys like Nick Senzel, Kyle Lewis, Corey Ray. And that could leave Jason Groom just falling in the Braves' lap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if that happens, I would be actively upset if they didn't take him. Yeah, that scenario um, would be hilarious, just to interrupt you really quick, because I think if that happened, the majority of Braves fans would be pissed because they don't want to see another pitcher drafted high. They want that college bat, and they want that bat, like, soon. So I'm I was assuming about to most say people will want a college bat. They will but, no, they will absolutely lose their minds if yeah, it happens. But, but it, they will be absolutely wrong. Exactly, um, they could end up with the the best talent, arguably, in the draft. And Jason Groom, if you haven't seen video of this guy, I mean, you don't even need to know too much about scouting or mechanics to see how nice this delivery looks. But anyways, keep going, Eric. Sorry to um, sorry to jump in there and throw you off. Now, now let's assume that you know craziness doesn't happen in Philadelphia and or Cincinnati doesn't lose their minds and lets Jason Groom fall out of the top spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I expect one of them to take one of the big college bats, which means it's either going to be Nick Sanzel, Kyle Lewis, or Corey Ray that goes. Uh, I personally would like the Braves to get Kyle Lewis, uh, just because he's like the like he is a power hitting prospect is what he is, and he can play right field because he has the arm for it. Mm-hmm. And all the guy does is hit home runs and take <laughs> walks. That is all he does. I mean, he, he there's some swing and miss in his game, and his swing is a little noisy right now. But, I mean, he's been getting coaching from Mercer University, and no one wants to pitch to this guy in his league. It just doesn't happen. And when he, and he, does, when he does get a pitch to hit, generally it goes about 450 feet the wrong way. It's, he's, a, he's a big, strong guy. He, he, know, he can and does take walks a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I think his, his, walk, his walk ratios are absurd. Uh, and, you know, is he going to be a guy that strikes out some? Probably. But I, the one thing that the Braves don't have is a power-hitting outfield prospect really in their system. And this guy would be—you could throw in the system, and he could probably—he he would start right in Rome in all likelihood, if not, you know, and then just jump from there. And you know, I wouldn't hate Corey Ray either, but mm-hmm. that's who kind of would I want. But if yeah, that's real it, quick before you move on to them, I just pulled up Kyle Lewis's numbers. If you guys are curious, in uh, 45 games with Mercer, he's hitting 428 with a 558 on base percentage with 15 home runs. And uh, let's see the walk to strikeout numbers. Where are we at over here? Okay, so 50 walks compared to 35 strikeouts, which is extremely impressive across the board, as you were saying. <laughs> but yeah, he's, go ahead and move on. Yeah, yeah, he's a big, strong guy, and he seems to have a pretty good eye for the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes he tries to do too much with you know some of the junk that people are throwing at him because they don't want him to you know do bad things to him, but mm. those, those are the guys I would want. Uh, I have no interest in A.J. Puck because it seems like every time I hear that he's pitching, every other time he's, you know, has back spasms or has something wrong with his hand. I just don't want any part of that. Yeah, so. Puck has had a scary start to the season. I think Corey Ray has been my guy for a while now just because of the Atlanta connection and the five-tool uh, potential really excites me. Um, but he's is really there, fast. Yeah. Are there any other guys who stand out to you that maybe we haven't talked about enough? Obviously, it's still... Kind of early, I guess. Are we getting to that point where it's not really early to be talking about draft stuff? The the the, the draft is a little over a month away. It's yeah. really not that far, um, and it's getting exciting. Um, I mean, Blake Rutherford might actually have the best hit tool in the class, but he's kind of a weird case where he's a high school bat, which means he doesn't have the polish of a college bat, but he's also a high school bat who's going to be 19 when the draft comes around. So is he as projectable as he should be as a high school bat? I mean, it's 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 a weird situation where some people want to pick him like in the top three, mm-hmm. and others, you know, think he might fall fall towards the latter part of the top ten. Uh, but he's, I mean, he he can he, he's a potential five tool guy too. He's really he's really good. He has more power than speed, but I mean, it's you know, he's he's a good he's a good hitter. Yeah, and then Riley, and then Riley Pint, who throws hundred miles an hour and has a plus curve. Um, I mean, that seems good too. Uh, yeah, I'm not I sure. Was... I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he'll have an, a third pitch other than that. Mm-hmm. His changeup seems okay, but uh, I mean. Worst case scenario is you have you know a guy who is basically Craig Kimbrell. So yeah, I was talking to some of the Baseball America guys just a few weeks ago, and they said that Riley Pine's start to this season was uh, increasing his stock even more, and he was already one of the top guys on the board. They said his velocity was up a few miles per hour uh, sitting, so that's kind of exciting if you're a Riley Pine fan. I just love that Baseball American name drop more than anything. Yeah, sorry. I mean, they're in Durham. They're right here, interned with them. I'm not going to not talk to these guys. Oh, no beef. Keep them coming. I love love Baseball America. No no hatred whatsoever. Yeah, if you guys, uh, if you're, obviously you follow Eric on Twitter, but if you uh, want to follow some Baseball America draft people, I'd say Hudson Belinsky is a guy you want to keep in touch with if you're interested in any of these guys and want to know more about them. Um, But... Uh, is there anything else we need to touch on with the primer, or can we move on to Ozzy and Dansby Swanson, Eric? Uh, only that there's a possibility that the Braves could actually try to draft someone with an underslot deal with the mm. third pick, which would allow them to possibly get uh, two of the guys that have been mentioned in the primer. Uh, I doubt that will happen, but uh, there's an outside possibility that they could get a guy like a Delvin Perez, who's like a really raw prospect out of Puerto Rico, but a lot of tools sign him to an underslot deal and then say, hey, Blake Rutherford, uh, we'll give you $4 million to play for the Atlanta Braves if you don't get, if you just won't sign for anything other than that. And yep, and then take him possible. That'll yep, be interesting. Could... See, the draft is so much fun. I'm excited for it uh, as we continue to approach June 5th, I believe it is. Uh, eight? Hold on. Um, now I right. forgot. Either I way, somewhere, sometime early June, 
Uh, and if the Braves keep, keep playing like they are, I feel like most of you guys listening are going to start getting excited for the draft as well. Brad, are you a draft guy or no for MLB? What are your What are your thoughts on it? I'm in, um, but I'm not going to be uh, Eric, where I know <laughs> I know all about these guys in like March. We, no, we can't all I'll be start like studying. This is about this is about where I start looking at these guys a month out, just to start. I know, obviously, I know a few of the top guys. Uh, you mentioned pretty much all the ones that I've, I I would have known by name at this point. But I think, like like a lot of people, we start reading in in May about these prospects and sort of sort of form our uh, amateurish opinions. <laughs> um, from afar, and I, as you guys mentioned quickly, uh, I cannot wait for the meltdown of any any prep pitcher with the Braves pick is going to be the end of the world. <laughs> Quick and, question: uh, I just can't wait for it, really. Yeah, if if they somehow take a college pitcher instead of a high school guy, do you think the same outrage is there? It will be there, but it won't be as much. Okay, I, and I will, be, and I will be with them. Because yeah, the they need to be picking in the third pick. No, I agree. Yeah, I'm, there hardly ever are. I mean, maybe not hardly ever, but it's one of those things where Mark Appel. The last time, <laughs> the last time the Braves did that wasn't that uh, our good friend Mike Miner, um, yeah, top yeah. Well, like seven pick as a college guy, and that that went well for that went well for a little bit. It did, uh, and it, then it didn't, <laughs> and then it didn't. But that wasn't. Yeah, I love Mike Miner. May he rest in peace. Um, <laughs> but no, it was. Uh, I think the college pitcher will be an easier sell for the fans, but a worse pick. So there you go. I love that analysis from Brad right there. All right, uh, moving into some of the prospects who seemingly are panning out for the Braves. Uh, Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson, there's been no lack of talk of these two guys uh, since we talked to you last. Both of them were promoted. Dansby is now in AA and Ozzy Albies is now in AAA, which is insane to me because... Ever since we've been talking about these guys, Brad, I've said, no, everybody is pushing Ozzy too fast. He's not going to be here until 2018 at the earliest. And the dude is in AAA, like five years younger than the average AAA player. And obviously he's only had two games at that level, but he's hitting 337, 408, 467. And Dansby tore up high A, and he's hitting 341, 446, 565. So... Just real quick, what are your thoughts on the promotions of these two guys, Brad? And then we can hit up Eric for some some deep analysis. Yeah, I'll let Eric hit the hit the deep stuff. But Ozzy Albies is nineteen, man. <laughs> like he's going to be nineteen this whole season. He turns twenty in January, and he's in, he's in AAA. And I think people, most people, think he's going to be up this year. Um, and this this move would would sort of be in line with that. Like it would be kind of a surprise now if he wasn't up by mm-hmm. like August September. Because why else are you putting him in AAA in you know late April, early May? Um, and it would be crazy. I mean, the last guy that was up at this age was, what, Rafael Fercal for the Braves? Yep. Yeah, that's probably the best comp for him. And, bef- and before that was Andrew Jones. So it's like, you know, that stuff doesn't really happen. But he's been so good at every level that it's not – it's something that doesn't seem too crazy. I was with you, though, Carlos, on the – you know, it was all – it all sounded way too fast. But mm-hmm. the way that he's playing – and and I think this is important to note how bad the major league team is is probably going to push this along just a little bit. They'll never admit that, but getting him up uh, late this season will help to build some excitement, maybe sell a few tickets, that kind of stuff. Maybe, that, maybe that's the skeptic in me um, that they would let that play into it at all. But this is also a team that kept Jeff Francoeur mm-hmm. for the, exactly that reason, <laughs> and no one, no one will convince me otherwise. Uh, although Jeff's been actually pretty decent so far. That that was a factor, and no one will tell me that it wasn't. And he and every time he gets announced, uh, there's a huge a huge roar from the fans, and that's not that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but no, Ozzy Alves has been great, and um, he's also a guy that you know with with his particular tools, his speed, his hit tool, like he's he's kind of already, you know, he's kind of already a guy who could pro- who probably could help you right away. Like mm-hmm. it's. You know, it's sort of the projectability standpoint. Like his ceiling is not as high as Anthony Swanson's, and we've kind of talked about that. But as far as a guy who who might help you more right away, he might be able to do that. And he's on that. It seems crazy to say with a 19 year old that he could help you right now, but it kind of looks like like a guy who could compared to the current options at the big league level. So he's been a great story, man. It's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I can't believe he's, I can't I, I can't believe he's in AAA already. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, you can go down the road and watch him, Brad. I will literally be there tomorrow night. I'm going to Gwinnett uh, Tuesday night. That's fantastic. I can't wait for your report afterwards. My in-depth scouting analysis exactly. from, 
from deep in the outfield, I'm sure, wherever I'll be sitting at Godet tomorrow night. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it'll be cool to see uh, to see Ozzy, and now Jace Peterson will also be <laughs> there. You go. Uh, but really quick for some context, um, Austin Raleigh and Braxton Davidson, who are probably two of the more uh, two of the better known hitting prospects in the system, are both 19 years old. Austin Riley is in Low A, and he's hitting 244 with a 272 on base percentage, and Braxton Davidson is in high A where he's hitting 183 uh, 250 with a 250 on base percentage just for some context there to throw it in there to show you how how insane Ozzy has been but Eric what are your thoughts on these promotions thoughts on how quickly Ozzy's being pushed uh, through the minors and then uh, I guess your thoughts on Dansby as well to touch all of our bases uh, I'll just touch on Ozzy really quick because kind of what he's doing is frankly amazing uh, he I mean he was the best player on that Mississippi team, and it really wasn't that close, despite the fact that Dustin Peterson is actually having his best year in the Braves organization mm-hmm. down there. He was a full year younger than the second youngest guy in his league in Double A. <laughs> he plays 20 games and is now in Triple A, and the the second oldest second youngest player in all of Triple A is Julio Urias who seems like a pretty good prospect for the Dodgers, and Ozzy's up there a full five months younger than he is. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, mean, (laughs) and and to do what he does, I mean, he's a switch-hitting shortstop at 19, and he's figured out how to hit pro-level pitching from both sides of the plate at equal splits and I mean he some I mean he he somehow ran into a home run despite having being only 5'9 and 160 pounds. I mean he's he's something else and you know he he's basically good for getting on base, you know, except for a little bit of adjustment period that I'm certainly willing to give the guy for going straight to Triple A. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's basically good for getting on base at least twice a game. Uh he scores runs, he causes havoc on the base pads. He can play his position. He's just really good. Um I'm not 100% certain though that Dansby hasn't been better this year yeah. <laughs> than he is, which is, which is really kind of hard to wrap my head around. But, I mean, he's, I mean, Dansby had a really, really funny inside the park home run. He, all he does is seem to hit doubles. And it's, I mean, he's at 13 for the year now. Mm-hmm. Um, he made his double A debut by hitting a home run and another double. I mean, it's just, he's, He's been something else. He he's been stealing bases. He's been not striking out. He's been walking a bunch. You know, scoring runs. It seems like when he does have RBIs, they're always in big spots. He had two more RBIs tonight. He he's been fantastic. Uh, I honestly do not know what the Braves are going to do at shortstop because both of these guys are really really good baseball players. Um, I mean, it. I know Dansby has some experience playing second in college. Maybe that's the only reason why you put him at second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that. I mean, maybe uh, maybe Dansby's the more prototypical, has more power potential than Ozzy does, and you move Ozzy over to the second. I know both guys want to play shortstop, but that's I would where not. The money is baby. Well, there's definitely that, <laughs> um, but I don't think anyone's going to see Ozzy or Dansby playing second base and say, "I'm not going to pay him as much." I think if anyone targets them, it's for the be their shortstop. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's certainly true, um, and. I would not let either of these players go anywhere if I were the Braves. These they're really, really special players. Every time they're up the bat in the minors, something happens, and they're just guys who make plays and make things happen. And they've just been fantastic all year. I can't wait until they're both at the major league level, and the solution is just to have them play paper rock scissors before every game, and whoever wins that day gets to play shortstop. That would I'm be a excited. Lot of fun. I'm excited for them to hit seventh and eighth in the lineup when they come up. No, <laughs> uh, just, no, no. It's going to be, gonna be, be uh, that Malik, seventh and ninth. Have that Malik Smith protection. Seventh One, and ninth uh, with the pitcher in the eighth spot. Brad, come on. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, if Julio pitches, he'll be hitting eighth. Um, no, just thir- thirteen doubles in 101 plate appearances is flatly absurd. Like I don't care what level you're at. That's like you're on pace for 80 doubles. Like that's yep. that's insanity. Yep. I know that's again. This is this is a small sample in, in the low minors, but like this guy Dansby's been out of his mind. I mean, they're both the numbers are like they're all video game numbers for for Albies and Swanson right now. And I know it's early, but yeah, it's it's okay to get excited about these guys right now because that's all we have. Right, exactly. It's all <laughs> we have. They're both coming, and at this point, it would be a shock to basically everyone if they both worn up by the end of the year. I think. Um, whether that's responsible or not is another discussion. 
that we can definitely have. But um, I think this is it's pretty clear that they, these guys are on the fast track, and that's it's fun to get excited about, if nothing else. Yeah, I guess the, the the counter to that being detrimental to them is like if they're performing, why not push them forward? I mean, we've had a conversation before about the um, just the super two status of of arbitrarily holding players down when they're ready to move up. So if these guys are performing that well. I mean, I guess your argument could be, hey, they've they've shown you that they can succeed here. Go ahead and send them up. Well, and, and would anybody be surprised now if they were your starting shortstop and second baseman opening day 2017? Not at all. Not so, really. I, Unless, I, I think but, it's entirely likely that before the end of the year, the only starting infielder for the Braves that will be left is Freddie Freeman. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is like... <laughs> Who's second over third? Rio? Yeah. Yeah, before we no, go ahead, Brad. We'll tell you. Yeah, I was just say if you're prepared to do that with these guys, like, don't you want to see them in September? Like, you're opening a new ballpark, 2017. You want to be competitive next season, and if you're planning on starting these two guys together, like, it might be a good idea because, like, if you're doing that, you're blowing up the Super Two anyway. So go ahead and bring them up in September this year. Get get their feet wet a little bit, even if they don't perform. Like you want to at least see them and get them a little bit of seasoning, because if that's the case and they start opening day, like you're like you're heavily relying on them being good next year, because you want to be good. Maybe not like you might. You, it's, it's probably not an all in season, but you want to be competitive in that year one. And that's all they keep saying is how they want to be competitive in year one. So if, if you're planning on doing that, bring them up before then. Yeah, and um, I'm glad that you mentioned Rio, Eric, because. Uh, in any other year, I feel like he would be the story of your minor league system. This is a guy that was previously uh, a very highly touted prospect, uh, had a bad 2015. His stock fell quite a bit, uh, but this season in 87 at-bats in AAA, he's hitting 333, 414, 506. That's his triple slash with a pair of home runs uh, and 12 walks to 26 strikeouts. So can you talk a little bit about Ruiz and what his potential is over there at third base, Eric? Well, if you had asked me before the season, I would have told you he didn't have one. He had a really bad 2015. Yeah. Other than like a really good mo- one really good month in the second half, his swing was I mean, you could just watch it. His swing looked super long, really mechanical. I I was amazed that he could hit anything. Um and when he it happened really early on in his career too where his like his swing just got really out of whack and just really couldn't hit anything and then he made an adjustment and then Got you know was really touted in the Astro system. Then he went over to the Braves, and the same sort of out of whackness happened. Um, I was um, I kind of suspected it last year, but it was kind of confirmed by what the Braves have said: <clears throat> is that they gave him a list of things that he had to do, and that included you know fixing these things in your swing and get in shape. Apparently, he was not in really good shape last year, and all he did last this off season is get himself and get his body right and get his swing right, and they rewarded him by per- promoting him to AAA, which I didn't think he was ready for, mm-hmm. and all the guy's doing now is just raking the ball to all fields. I mean, they're not, he's not hitting seeing eye grounders for singles. You know what I mean? He's, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got nine extra base hits this year. He's, you know, he's hitting the ball hard to, all over the place. You know, even when he has a bad game and you know, he goes 0 for 4, it's, that's not, it's, it, you can tell the difference. They're not weak grounders to second anymore. It's not those kinds of games. It's just like, oh, well, he just had some bad luck and hit it straight at some guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he, he could be, I, don't expect you know, something crazy like 30 home runs from him, uh, but I think that a 15 to 20 home run ceiling for him uh, coming out of third base, and he's been playing a much better third base at that uh, and would immediately be an upgrade defensively over Adonis Garcia or Chris Johnson or basically any of the other guys we've been running out there for the last couple of years. Yeah, it seems like this is a huge turning point for him this year, and we've really not heard about him at all, I feel like, just because of Dansby and Ozzy right there behind him. I mean, he had a three twenty four slugging percentage last year. Yeah, he was real in, bad. In double, like, that's... He was real whew, bad. That's unspeakable. It's like Freddie Freeman quality, right? Uh, is that, yeah. is that I too mean, soon? Yeah, it's too early. <laughs> Freddie's coming on, man. Freddie's getting hot. Freddie's, Freddie's getting hot now. No, but... I think the big thing with Ruiz in terms of like everybody's kind of jumping to put him in the majors this year now. We already talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but like even if he's just a league average defensive third baseman, it cannot be overstated how much better that would be than Adonis Garcia. So like I know they kind of and they kind of moved Garcia around now. They've they've stuck him in stuck him in the outfield a little bit. They're trying to get him off third base, and Freddie's made that a point. But like, if, if Ruiz could even come in and just catch the ball at third base and not embarrass himself at the plate, 
and you know he's he's almost I think he'll be 22 shortly. So I mean he's still, he's still quite young too. So this is a really encouraging season, at least an, an encouraging start for a guy who's still super young for AAA. Yep, you want to jump in, Eric? Uh, yeah, I mean he's still he's still a young player. I don't want I don't want it to be a super early call up. I mean some guys. I mean I've I've already had multiple people tonight asking me, you know, why don't they send Rio Rio up there right now? Oh I mean, no, I mean it, that would that would be awful. He needs to at least get a. Uh, you know, he, I'm with Brad. I'm, 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 I have no problems with like a September call-up. And it would be really exciting to see an infield of real Ruiz, Dansby Swanson, Ozzie Albies, and Freddie Freeman. Those are all guys who can hit. And frankly, only one of the guys who have those spots on the team right now can do that right now. And that's Freddie, who's finally coming back on. I mean, I, I was willing to entertain the Adonis Garcia experiment for a while, but mm-hmm. he doesn't hit anywhere close to enough to how historically bad he's been been this year at, on defense and Eric Ibar is right there with him and you know Yeesh. and and I mean like that left side of the infield is abysmal and to replace them with Rio and one of Dansby or Ozzy would be it would be fun to watch and I want them to get all the time that they need to get ready for that yeah but I, but I would like for that last month of the season I think it would be really interesting to see those guys up yeah especially when you're talking about a guy like Rio who's had these mechanical adjustments that he's had to make in his swing like you mentioned I feel like promoting him to the big leagues and having him make that adjustment while trying to get some consistency with his swing and find some some success like that's only gonna hurt him I feel like because once you jump to the major league level you're gonna have to adjust and if you're already working on getting that consistency with your swing down at the AAA level, uh, that that's quite the challenge. So I'm all with I'll, you guys for for waiting. I'll do my job here and pour some cold water on it too. Like this is only 99 plate appearances yeah. this year for Mario. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's I know you I know you guys know that we we have to say it just so that we're not getting uh, accused of being super homerish here. Like we don't know if Rio Ruiz is going to be good at the plate. We don't know that because of his track record has been spotty. He's had a couple good years, a couple bad years in the minors. The adjustments are real. I mean, that, that stuff matters. It's not just numbers, especially with a guy this young. Like if you can see the, the, the mechanical adjustments and the mechanical stuff that being straightened out, that's a really good thing. But we're still, we're talking about hundred plate appearances in AAA and it's important. Uh, I know you, we, we kind of laughed at the notion of people wanting, wanting him to come up now, but you know, if you see a guy playing well at Triple A, that's the first inclination is like, oh, he's better than the guy we have. Like, well, we don't know that. Like, we don't we don't even know if he can hit at the Triple A level over a sustained number of at bats at this point. So, like, I like Ruiz too, just like I think we all three do. But it's that's a guy where the track record's much spottier than I think. It's safe to be super excited about Swanson and Albies because they've done it different places. They've done it consistently. Whereas Ruiz, it's not been consistent, and we don't, we just don't know yet. So I have to say that as the resident uh, pessimist on the podcast, I guess. I like how you're taking on that role. <laughs> uh, that's my role in life. I've found <laughs> get uh, off my lawn. I'm gonna I have to find I'm my niche now. That. Like I don't know yeah. what I'm supposed to do. I'm not. I'm sure as heck not gonna be the optimist of the podcast. Well, you're more optimistic than me. I think I'm. Yeah, I'm certainly get off my lawn guy, and I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost thirty. So I guess I'm gonna be old now too. Yeah, so um, I'm in college for like one more week, so I guess I have to be optimistic while I can before I jump into this real world thing. It's yeah, it's well, tough. I'm the, well, I'm the oldest one. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> well, no. yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't gonna put you on blast, Eric. I, <laughs> I knew that I wasn't gonna. You you could have just hid behind me, but it's fine. No, never mind. I'm not. Yeah, Eric <laughs> is not the old. Brad is the old man here. All right. Um, before we uh, wrap this thing up, because I think we're we're about at that that imaginary time limit. Um, I want to really quickly touch on Max Posey and Mike Soroka, who are two pitchers who have had an outstanding start to the year. Posey's in high A and Soroka's in low A. Posey has a 1.69 ERA and 23 strikeouts to just four walks in 26 innings so far. Um, and Soroka has had some similar numbers, 29 strikeouts to just three walks with a 1.33 ERA in 27 innings. Uh, these are guys who have been on the radar for a little bit. Um, but maybe haven't been talked about as much because they're further off. But Eric, can you break down these two for us? I've I've been asking a lot of of you tonight, but we're about done here. So what can you tell oh, us sure. about these two no, guys? No, it's no problem. Um, I'll talk about Posey really quick. Uh, he's a guy that uh, David Lee from uh, uh, he writes for Baseball Prospectus. Definitely, he, definitely he, follow David. He's I love David, um, and he's a guy that Posey is a guy that David really was irked that he wasn't getting enough attention. Because when he has thrown, he's always thrown well. Uh, he was pretty dinged up last year, and you know he's a big he's a he has a 
large frame for a picture pitcher, and it just seemed like he couldn't get healthy last year. Uh, but when he, he's been great thus far this year, he had one start recently where it wasn't he wasn't didn't have his best stuff. But even then, it was kind of like a three earned run, you know, six hits type outing. It wasn't like he the it, the it had just gone off the rails or anything like that. Um, has really good stuff. Has feel for all of his pitches. Um, Again, not like a crazy huge velocity guy. Like he's not a guy throwing ninety eight up there or anything mm-hmm. like that. But you know, has a good fastball, um, and I think is in line for kind of be one of those guys that could be promoted reasonably quickly because he missed a good bit of time last year. Um, Mike Soroka has been unreal. Uh, I, we were, me and a couple of the other guys were talking about him when he was in one of his many very very good starts this year. In his pro career, for this is all of two years now, the kid's yeah, he's 18, 18 years old. Years old. Yeah. Yeah. He has 61 innings pitch, and that's 15 games, 14 starts. He has given up eight walks. <laughs> that's crazy. Again, 66 strikeouts, by the way. Who, I mean, he's not, he's not a guy who's just you know, throwing the ball down the pipe and hoping for the best. I mean, he's missing bats. He, he's not, I mean, his, his opponents are batting like 214 against him this year. And they're all these kind of weak grounders, you know, and like he's not getting hit hard. He doesn't give up home runs. He's the best control pitcher in the system. It's not close. And he, every, even when he has a bad start, he, you know, he owns up to it. He's like, I, I made the pitch I wanted to make. They just hit it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the, and his worst start this year was where he gave up three earned runs in five innings. He has Mike Fulton Evich did that in one inning today. He, he did so with flying colors, in fact. <laughs> but every other start this year, He's given up one or less runs, and including th- zero in three of them. He's he strikes out a batter an inning. He doesn't walk anybody. Doesn't give up runs. He's basically exactly what you want out of any pitcher, and he's done so before he can drink legally. It's he's That's something else. Good. He's striking yeah. out uh, nine batters per walk issued so far. I think is what I got from me there. Is that good? That's pretty seems good. Pretty, seems pretty good. Yeah, he was just drafted in the first round last year, and I mean he was. Obviously highly touted with the 28th pick, but I don't think anyone could have expected this. Uh, that's exciting. Brad, Have you? do you have any thoughts on this, these crazy numbers? Is the, the minor league system of the Braves just going to take the baseball world by storm? What's happening here? Uh, I can't say that as a pessimist <laughs> that I am, but no, Soroka's been absurd. <laughs> I mean, that from, for a guy like me who doesn't – I'm not grinding the minor league box scores in the way that Eric is and uh, scouting these guys. But, yeah, I've noticed Soroka on a couple occasions kind of, like, shake my head at his numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being 18, like, I think that's something that everybody is kind of forgetting. It's first-round pick, but, like, 18-year-olds don't do what he's doing with, with the command more than anything. It's not like he's a guy who's gonna who's just putting up these massive strikeout numbers, but the command stuff is super encouraging. Um, my favorite note about Max Posey is that he's, he's listed at six foot eight and 185 pounds. Yeah, he's he's, he's definitely like, bigger than that. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is comical. Like I, I'll trust you, Eric. But like for reference, Soroka is a not a huge guy who is listed at six foot four, one ninety five. Like six foot eight, one eighty five is like Kevin Durant, skinny. Uh, that was a basketball reference for our baseball yeah. people. But uh, as opposed but, to Jace Johnson Mullins, who is all of six seven or six eight, but he is most certainly. Not 180 pounds, uh, like, maybe closer to 270 or so. He's a big I, guy. I just can't believe that a like a, a professional athlete could be six foot eight, 185 pounds. That's my that's my that's my one note on Max Posey. I'm up here for comic relief more than anything, but that <laughs> that is uh, stellar in terms of measurables. But no, he's been great too. His numbers, especially coming around this year, um, as compared to the previous years, you guys touched on it, have been uh, definitely encouraging. So that's yeah. good. And and I do want to give some love to Lucas Sims, who leads all the minor leagues in strikeouts right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Forty uh, two. Yeah, yeah, and he's due to go up for his start tomorrow. Um, he, he's he's been oh, he's been while, while we're here on on Lucas Sims, uh, can I be can I make a hot take real quick? Oh yes, let's go. Mark it um, down, baby. There's been a lot of talk about Tyrell Jenkins. Um, can I just say that I would much rather see Lucas Sims pitching in a major league game tomorrow than Tyrell Jenkins? I'm in. I'm in. Let me take the let me take the contradictory opinion. No, I want Tyrell. I just Lucas don't... Sims could walk everybody on on the. Well, so could Tyrell. That's the thing. Like that's my. Yeah, I mean, my Ty- Tyrell. Tyrell's not you know putting up zeros in the walk column. No, I just <laughs> and that's it's more of a take on Jenkins not being ready, and people are just like, oh, he's the next guy, so. 
if somebody else comes out of the rotation, oh, it's Tyrell time. I saw people tweeting it's Tyrell time during <laughs> during during Fulte's blow up in the first inning tonight. Well, it's Lucas like, time God, doesn't work as well. You don't have that alliteration. I, I understand. It's just one of those things where like I think we need to. It's more of a calm down on Tyrell Jenkins, but I, Lucas Simpson's been awesome, man. And like people forget he was like a big time name. Prospect. He was. Yeah, he was, he's, he's he was a top one hundred prospect. Had a, yeah, yeah, he had a down year last year that kind of deflated his stock a little bit, but and that happens. But like yeah. this, people act like he's like some also ran now because of all. I think part of it he's is that he was already in the system, and all these new guys came from out of the system, and they get all the all the attention. Yeah. When Sims was kind of flying under the radar, and that coupled with the down year sort of made him sort of you know fly away from us. Mm-hmm. But Sims is a nice prospect, like, and he's been pitching super well. So that's a guy who we should probably talk about more, not us necessarily, but just in general, Braves fans should talk about more. Um, he's sort of been lost in the shuffle, and I kind of it's, it's been nice to see him get some shine. And he's uh, he'll, he's he might be closer than we think to getting up there too. Yeah, he just recently got promoted. He's got twenty six point two innings so far this year between Double A AA and Triple A, with a two point oh three ERA. Uh, and as we talked about, 42 strikeouts compared to 16 walks, which is and impressive. he's still and he's still 21. Like he'll be 20, he'll be 22 yep. in a couple of weeks. But like he's still also very young. So that's uh, a guy who maybe doesn't have the the pure like dominant uh, fastball of a guy like Fulte or you know some of the some of the that curveball though. Stuff. Yeah, he's got some. Well, here's the thing: is he's a strong second in multiple categories. That's, <laughs> I, that's, that's the type of stuff that I. That's the kind of guy that I love. I love the guy with balance versus like Fulte's fastball is salivating on the surface, but like give me not necessarily Lucas Simpson can be going to be better than Fulte, but like I like the the more balanced across the board guys. Maybe that's my old man. Talking. Honestly, at this point, maybe this is like bad of me to say considering Fulte just gave up three homers, but. I would not be surprised at all if Lucas Sims wound up being better than Fultonovich just because Fulte's fastball is so flat all the time and he has no other, like, he has no breaking ball to, to kind of. I have throw zero problems off. thinking that Lucas Sims would be a better starting pitcher yeah. than Lucas Sims. Right, that's, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> the same thing. I, I think, I mean, we've all kind of said it. We all kind of think Fulte's going to end up in the bullpen, but um, yeah, I, I would almost, I'd almost bet on Sims too being a better starter. Yep. Uh, Fulte's fastball's. Fast, but uh, <laughs> it's also eminently hittable by major leaguers, as we've seen over and over again. Uh, until he can start getting it, getting it better with some uh, maybe e- either some movement there or some better off-speed stuff, it's going to be uh, tough for him to be a good long-term viable starter. So there you go. All right, Eric. Any last comments before we wrap this up? Uh, other than to say that uh, I, I owe Brad a bit of an apology for trolling him so much about Daniel Castro in the second in the <laughs> two spot of the lineup. Uh, uh, I did so pretty mercilessly when he was on fire there, but you know, as yeah. it turns out, Daniel Castro is exactly who we thought he was. And that... I loved so much when Daniel Castro had three hits and Brad's <laughs> mentions were on fire. That was my favorite day on Twitter in a long time. Sorry it was. Uh, it was. Sorry I was that, out. I was not. I was out not watching too, which is the favorite part. Like it was yeah. just like, what is happening right now? I can <laughs> get on my phone. Oh, it's just Daniel Castro with single after single after single and never <laughs> and yes. all these like seeing eye grounders that are finding space like oh yeah you guys keep buying in please do that and i, Eric, I, I was I, in tears laughing <laughs> look and the thing i feel bad because like it's like turned into me crapping on daniel castro which is not what it was supposed to be it was supposed to be me crapping on freddie for hitting him second that was the funny part about it um castro was a good defensive player he really is <laughs> he, he is can't hit de- like he. He he, ha- he has a spot in the major leagues as a defensive replacement. Yeah, he can he, he, he can make, he, he can make contact. Like I understand the uh, the old school guys love him because he's he's gonna he's gonna make contact. He's not he's gonna got some power out. potential. No, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> no, he does not. He doesn't. <laughs> I've said this a hundred times. Career six forty nine OPS in the minor leagues, and it was not a small sample. Like he doesn't have any power. It's fine. I love you, Daniel Castro. Uh, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. I always root for you to hit 400. Just keep hitting single, hit two singles a game, and we'll be in the eighth spot. Here. I'm here for you. Yeah, just please hit in the eighth <laughs> spot. Because <laughs> we need we need Ibar on the two spot. Exactly. 100. We can't do this. Let's wrap this up. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Check. Check. I, I think that's a, a pretty great spot to jump out of this. Uh, before we jump into our Twitter handles, just real quick. Follow David Lee at David11Lee for uh, more prospect stuff. We we all respect him around here, and he's yep. great. Um, you can follow Eric at Leprechaun. I think we've been over his Twitter handle a few times. I'll link it. Uh, you can follow Brad at BT Roland. You can follow me at Carlos A. Colazzo. And as always, follow the site at Talking Chop. 
be sure to tune in on the site this week and hopefully next week we'll be back at you guys on a Sunday night on a regular schedule again. Uh, I'll be done with college, thank goodness, and I can focus on these great podcasts. I'm excited for that. Eric, thank you for stopping by tonight. My friend, as always, it was great. No problem. Um, Appreciate you having me. Yep, and thank you to you listeners for tuning in again. Uh, Until next time, have a good one.